Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Here's what I want to do. I want to get us all caught up to speed. Genesis chapter 30. Here's what's taking place, okay? We have Jacob. Everybody said Jacob. Come on. Jacob. Jacob, um, whose name eventually becomes Israel, who's blessed by God. God really blessed him. Like just his socks, I blessed his whole entire nation. Um, Jacob Nader was named Israel, and God said, I'm going to bless your entire nation. You're going to be favored by God. And so Jacob here at the beginning, the chapter before, he falls in love. And he loves this girl named Rachel. And so he talks to his father-in-law says, I'll, I'll do whatever I can. And the father-in-law says to him, just real quick paraphrase, says, you got to work for me for X amount of years and I'll give you my daughter. Dawn. And so he works for his father-in-law for seven years and he gives him uh, his daughter. However, in the story, he gives Jacob the wrong daughter on purpose because he wanted the other daughter. And so he was in love with Rachel. Jacob received Leah instead. And he was mad about it. In uh, anyway, he worked an additional uh, umpton amount of years to receive finally, finally after his father-in-law had deceived him, he received the one he truly loved, Rachel. So he ended up with two wives, okay? And we know that that's not biblical because the Bible says man can only serve one master. All right? We'll get there. Genesis chapter 30, to get us all caught up to speed, here we go. Verses 37 through 43. So Jacob is just deceived, and here it is again. Jacob's about to do something that's just crazy. Here we go. Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in the watering troughs so they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks, these are goats, by the way, flocks of goats, when the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches, little PG-13 here, and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. That's his father-in-law. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so they would mate near the branches But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man, Jacob, grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. All this from putting two sticks in the water. Do you catch what was happening here? I've had to read it like a hundred times before I understood exactly what's happening in the story. It's one of the most bizarre stories. Basically, what's taking place is he's bringing these... Um, these goats that Laban has, and he's having them mate, and by him putting these sticks in the water, they're either coming out speckled or spotted. Now you might be thinking, that, that don't work, you know? Like, I wanted my kid to, to be a certain way, and I, I tried that. It, you know, just, they came out, and there they were, poof. No. Genetically, people say there's some genetic science behind it. I, on the other hand, just believe it's a miracle that God did to show his faithfulness, okay? Um, you can, you can Google it all you want. But what does this scripture have to do with this? How does it apply? Because I believe everything in the Bible still applies to us today. So how does it work? How does it all fit in with what God is doing in our lives today? I mean, what, what's going on here? Is it, is it something that God is blessing Jacob with? Or is it, would you say, 
you know, this genetic miracle. I have to tell you, there are some pretty incredible genetic miracles today in our, you know, in our world. One of them I had about a week ago. You're never going to believe this. We had a big, huge bag of grapes that my kids brought me, and they said, Dad, somebody who's here gave me this bag of grapes. They gave me these huge grapes, and my kids are like, try one, Dad. I'm like, I'm not a big grape eater. They're okay, whatever. I'm more of a muskmelon guy or a cantaloupe guy, and I said, all right, I'll, I'll try one. And I had it, and I ate it. And you know what it tasted like? Cotton candy. Cotton candy. They've genetically manipulated grapes to make them taste like cotton candy. Can I get a hallelujah? I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? I'm sitting there like, is this some kind of trick? Like, is there going to be like some worm inside of it? Or, what is this, you know? Is there a bug? What is this a trick? Tastes like cotton candy. They're, yeah, they're just amazing. They melt in your mouth. I mean, it's just, oh, it's amazing. Okay. But I don't think that's what's happening here, unfortunately. I think God is up to something. God's blessing Jacob. And there's four things I believe we can take away from this story this morning. And I want to use a quote that Charles Spurgeon said based upon this story. We're going to tie it all together here in the moments remaining. Charles Spurgeon said this, Be not proud of race, face, place, or grace. Race, face, place, or grace. What does that mean? What does that have to do with this story? Let's tie it all together here. Number one, these four things, we're going to take it out of this quote that Charles Spurgeon spoke of. Race, first of all. Within these verses, they're segregated goats. You have some that are spotted and some that weren't. And Jacob made a deal with God saying, God, can I have all the spotted ones? And he said, yeah. And so he made them spotted, or God made it through Jacob. He received all the spotted ones, and all the rest of them went back to Laban. And so he ended up with just, you know, who knows how many goats, thousands perhaps, of all these goats. And later it says he got donkeys and camels and, and servants because of this story, because of what happened here. He received all this. But I want to talk just for a moment about race, because I think... Sometimes, and I want you to hear my heart because my, my goal is not to offend anybody here this morning, but my, my goal is to talk about things that are really happening in our world. Is that okay? Racism is a big deal in our world today. Okay? Whether you like to admit it or not. And sometimes maybe we think we're uh, in St. Francis, it doesn't affect us, but I can say that it does affect some. Um, and it does affect us all one way or another. And so I want to convey my heart um, by speaking to this just momentarily. Race, face, place, and grace. And what does that mean? And so first is race. Um, racism is extremely prevalent today, which is unfortunate. It, it breaks my heart that race isn't even an issue. I, I, for my, my own self, I don't understand why it is. It doesn't make sense to me because I'm a firm believer that everybody is a child of God. Okay? Period. Whether they believe in what I believe in, whether they look like I do, whether they don't look like I do, I, it doesn't matter to me. Whether their culture is way different than mine, we're all children of God. In Matthew chapter 24, you don't have to turn there, but there's a prophecy in the whole chapter. Matthew 24 is a chapter about things to come. Jesus paints this picture, and he paints the picture of things to happen basically during the end. And he says, what will happen, and he lists out a bunch of things. If you ever want to play a fun little game, read Matthew 24 with, with a non-believer, because a lot of times they will see things that are happening in our culture. It's an incredible chapter in the Bible, Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, it says this, though. It says, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. This is a prophecy 
about the end. And so what's happening here is it says nation will rise against nation. Do we see that today? Do we see kingdom against kingdom? Now, what if I were to tell you that within this verse alone, nation actually is the word, it's the Greek word ethos, which actually means race. Race against race. Do we see that today? Paul wrote about race. He wrote about it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And this is what he wrote. He said, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. For you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. We're all one. So some people have been extremely hurt by race or by racial slams. And I just want to say to anybody who has, we are under one human race serving one saving king. Okay? And so racism is not a spotted goat issue. Racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. All right? Uh, we, when we lived down, we moved down to Eden Prairie, and I'll be very honest for you, we lived up in St. Francis, this area, most of our lives, and we moved down to Eden Prairie as a youth pastor um, t- over 10 years ago now, it's a long time ago, and we moved there, and our neighbors next to us, we had Muslim neighbors and we had Chinese neighbors, and it was culture shock for me, because I didn't know their culture at all. And, you know, my daughter at the time, she was going into kindergarten, and she was friends with the kids next door, and which we were fine with, and we said, why don't you invite her over? You know, her name was Ismahan. She was a Muslim little girl. She wore the, the headdressing and everything. And, and we invited her in and we befriended her. And we just met them where they were at. We didn't say, well, they're, you know, well, they're too far gone because they're XYZ. And our Chinese neighbor, we got to know, and my goodness, they could play piano like nobody's been. They were phenomenal. But it doesn't matter whether they're Somali. It doesn't matter whether they're Irish. It doesn't matter whether, you know, they're Chinese. It doesn't matter because we're all one race underneath God. We're all children of God. Okay? And so what is our response during this heated time? Because, you know, I know we had a big story that came out in the media, and I know we're all praying for that family. I know that. If you're not familiar with that, you can ask me later. We even prayed this morning for that family, the Wetterly family. But other than that, this media craze lately has been about what? We've seen race. We've seen race. So what does our response as Christians need to be? Get real this morning with you. What does our response need to be during a heated time in our culture? What, what do we do? We're just, well, we're just part of this church up in St. Francis in the sticks. We've got a cool band, but we're good. What do we do? What do we do? We need to be a church that looks at everyone as a child of God. Okay? No matter color, no matter creed, no matter class, no matter if they're Christian or not, it doesn't matter. Loving your neighbor as yourself is the solution. I read that somewhere. Neighbor could be one you don't know. Or a lot of times neighbors translated your enemy within the Bible. In any case, they will know we are Christians by our love. I read that somewhere as well. So I wonder how many people whom we come across past regularly who are just, they're just waiting for somebody to reach out to them or longing for someone to include them. Maybe they're here this morning. What's our action step? Number two, face. Everybody say face. Face. Okay, when I say face, What I mean is this. We were not all born with a face to go on GQ magazine. I'm sorry. It's not very life-giving, Chris. It's truth, all right? I'm just saying, okay? If you're not, you know, or Cosmopolitan or whatever there is, I don't know, okay? There's a song I like by a band called Audio Adrenaline. It says he doesn't have a face as a model for a cover magazine, okay? We all have different faces. Look at the person next to you. Do it. Just look at them quick. Go ahead. Look at the person next to you. Do they look anything like you? No, they look weird, man, compared to you. All right? 
God loves weird. We are living proof of that. That's okay. But I don't want to talk about just our physical face. We're not just going to talk about race, but our purpose. We all have different faiths. Some, some faces are meant for, you know, to be a model or going to modeling. Some faces are meant for behind the scenes, okay? Like there's, there's both. But we all serve different purposes. Jacob's purpose within this story was to be a blessed nation. Laban was a part of that purpose to see God's people blessed. He didn't know it at the time. He didn't realize it. But Jacob was, and here's what's really interesting, and yet still seems in this story to be a little bit dishonest almost. Doesn't it seem a little bit weird that Jacob's like, all right, God, I want you to bless me. I'm going to put some sticks in the water. I want these goats to become spotted, and I'll get them. All right, thanks, Lord, for doing that. Even before this, a few chapters, he stole his brother's birthright. Esau, his brother, was older. And out comes Jacob's second, holding on to his heel, grabbing for him. And Jacob stole his birthright later, and so God blessed him, the nation of Israel. If that never took place, do you know we'd be talking about the Palestinian uh, people right now, not the Israelites, because the Palestinians date all the way back to Esau, who is Jacob's brother. That's who we'd be talking about as God's blessed nation. But Jacob was God's favorite one. He was favored by God. And so we see the Israelites favored throughout. Does it seem fair? Does it ever seem unfair that somebody has a different purpose and sometimes their purpose looks a little greener than ours does at times? Sometimes that happens. But God has a unique purpose for everyone. I'm going to pop a bunch of things up on the screen here just in a row for you. God has a purpose for everyone. God's purpose in your life, we're talking about your individual purpose, can't be undone. God says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. God's purpose is the one that lasts. Many are the plans in a purpose, person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's out of Proverbs. Every person is born with purpose. God fulfills his purpose for believers. God works through all situations to fulfill his purpose. God has a greater purpose in saving us. Come on, somebody. You with me? You awake? God does. Why does... Otherwise, if Jesus came to just save us, why not go to heaven right now? Because you have purpose. Number three, place. We're not talking physically, but spiritually. We say it all the time. God meets us wherever we're at. There's three trees in this story. We're going to unpack some Hebrew, so stay with me just for a moment, okay? I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so if I get the names wrong, everybody else does too. Um, plain, there's, there's three trees. You have the plain tree. You have the poplar tree, and then you have the almond tree. Those I know. However, in the Hebrew, what's really interesting, there's a word picture that's going on that if, if you and I were of Jewish origin, we would get what's happening in the story. But unfortunately, most of us don't have that Jewish origin, so we don't catch what's happening here. I didn't catch what was happening here. The first was the plane tree, or the armon tree. Basically, this tree is, it means to be stripped bare, it means to be naked, it means to be circumcised, not only on the outside, but on the inside. And so what God was saying is, Jacob, I will bless you, but your heart has to be right. It has nothing to do with what you're doing on the outside. The second tree was this, the poplar tree. Are you ready for this? This one just blew me apart. The poplar tree is actually derived from the word Laban. Who's named Laban? His father-in-law, okay? It's Livna, or Laban, it's very closely associated. It's the same name of Jacob's father-in-law. So the word picture the scripture gives us is that Laban gives us a word picture of what the world is like. And so earlier on in this chapter, Laban lied to Jacob, the chapter before, excuse me, about marrying the wrong daughter. And so it gives us this word picture of how 
our hearts need to be circumcised or unveiled. All the junk needs to, you know, let God deal with it. He blesses us, but then to stay away from things of the world. The third thing here that's actually happening, and the Jewish people would get this. Rabbis would understand this. This took a while for me to, to follow. But the third is the almond tree or lose tree. It means to turn, L-U-Z, means to turn away in a negative way, though, not in a good way. It means to turn away from wisdom. It was a crooked tree. And so it's actually a turning away from what God wants to speak to you. And so Jacob was to be blessed, but he had to get his heart pure before God. He had to turn away from things of the world and turn to wisdom from God. That's what he was required to do by God. God really does meet us where we need to be met. Doesn't he? Doesn't he do that? See, what happens in our walk with God is that at times we feel rejected. We feel rejected by others. Sometimes we even feel rejected by God. And sometimes we reject God. And so what God does is He brings us through these different attitudes in our walk with Him. We go from rejection to attention. He brings us from indifference to interest. Maybe we're skeptics and He brings us to this conviction place. I'm running out of time here. Let me give you number four. Number four is grace. We've got race, face, Place. Grace. Grace. It's what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. Can I bear my heart with you for a moment here as we bring the service to a close? Do I have your permission to do that? Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. I'm wrestling with the question. Here's the question. I've been wrestling this for a couple weeks, actually. Does God's grace ever lift? And I look at Jacob. Has the nation of Israel ever skewed away from the things of God and gone their own way? You can answer yes. They have. Does God still love them? Does God still want relationship with Israel? He does. God's grace, does it ever lift? And here's where I want to unpack this, and we'll answer in just a moment make it real. We've talked about our individual purpose, but what's our corporate purpose as a church? I live, breathe, think, dream, sleep, and eat church, okay? You guys have other things you do during the week. For me, that's what I, I've been up since 3.55 this morning, praying for you, praying for the church, praying for the community. What does God want to do here? How can we, how can we continue to make a difference? How can we be a life-giving church that has no walls? How can we continue to do that? And sharing my heart, when I asked the question, would God ever lift his grace off of this church? That's what I was wrestling with. Would he ever do that? Would he ever lift his grace off of this place? There's two types of people. You have pioneers that like to start things and do things and get things going. And they're excited to see something happen. And then you have settlers. You have those that like to take care of it. They like to watch it. You know, they want to be the good steward taking care of it church. I'm a pioneer. I like to see things happen. I like to be able to see God move. And I want to continue to see God move in your life individually and in our church corporately. It's my desire. I'm, I get more excited about where we could be as a church than where we are. doesn't mean I'm not content with where we are, but I'm always thinking future. What is it that God wants to do? I'm longing to see God show up and show off within our church and within this community. 
I'm longing to see people wholly devoted as followers of Christ. But here's my biggest struggle. Getting personal with you this morning. Is that okay? We're still good? All right. My biggest struggle is learning to be content, but yet never settling. I'm good at never settling, but I struggle to just go, all right, God, you're doing amazing things. I have to remind myself of the amazing things that God has done in every single one of our lives here this morning, the things he is doing. But he's not done with us. If he was done with us, we wouldn't exist as a church. So, first of all, his grace hasn't lifted. Could it lift? We'll talk about that in a moment. But God gives us all, not just pastors, not just worship pastors. He gives us all grace to do his kingdom work. Whether you work in the business world, whether you work in the school, whether you work in a nonprofit, whether you're at home with your family, it doesn't matter. Maybe you're retired. God gives you the grace to do kingdom work. Why? Here's why. We are his hands and feet on this earth. We are a chosen people, just like Jacob is a chosen person, or chosen people through Israel, called to do his work. Grace is the powerhouse that allows us to go forward in spite of our own failures. Whatever we do, we do it as with the strength with God gives us abundantly, so that everything gives Jesus Christ the glory he deserves. That's why we do it. We're stewards of these gifts, and whatever we do, with those gifts we do through God's strength. And so my encouragement to you today is this. Be grace greedy. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it means it's only when we apply grace to every situation in our life, in every area, every needy area that we have, that God's purpose is fulfilled. So let me ask you the question again. Does God's grace ever lift his grace never 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 ever 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 never ever lifts unless we turn our backs on him completely it's the only time we stand to your feet with me this morning let's pray this has been a podcast of the bridge church have a great week stop in sunday sometime and visit if you would like to give you can do so online at sfbridge.org have a great week